Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 60 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Friday. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And thank you for spending at least part of your morning with us as we talk sports with you on a busy, busy Friday. A ton to get to. Coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, it's always busy on Friday, seemingly today, even more so. Uh, coming up in about 15 minutes or so, I know horse racing's not a big needle mover on the program, but it's a local story and it's the Breeders' Cup, and Iowa and Iowa State are both taking the week off, a weekend off. Uh, we're going to head to Santa Anita, to out to California. Jason Luch, the um, majority owner of Cyclone Fanatic, he's got a great Twitter handle, at CyFanatic, wonder he got that. Uh, Cyclone Fanatics, uh, Jason Luch, but more importantly for this weekend, uh, what part of the Alba family stable, they've got the favorite in today's Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and we're going to spend five or six minutes talking about Dennis's moment. The Kentucky Derby is for three-year-olds. This is races for two-year-olds. Who wins this race will automatically stamp himself as the horse to beat on the first Saturday in May. The world's most famous horse race. And if you asked anybody in the sport if you could win one race, it would be that particular one. So this uh, Dennis's moment could take a major step forward here today. He's going to be the favorite in the race as well. It's about 6 o'clock. Our time is when the gates will spring open on NBCSN. For those of you so inclined, of course, you can watch and wager at Prairie Meadows today uh, and tomorrow as the, I think it's the biggest event overall in the uh, Sport of Kings, the Breeders' Cup, uh, and there's a local tie, so we'll talk to Jason Luch. So when we do our football picks at the end of the show, you got a little bonus Breeders' Cup pick I do for have us? one, yes. I'm go- oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I like will you that. Give me, will, will I get some bonus points towards my abysmal football picks? <laughs> Well, you're you're only three games under five hundred. Yeah, but I, I, I was feeling so good about uh, the season. Anyways, things can change. Dylan Montz, we're gonna do something different with Dylan and Tom Caker. They're still going to join us today, despite the fact the Clones and the Hawks are off. We're gonna kind of catch up on the first two thirds of the season with both of them. MVP on offense, defense, game they'd like to have back. What else? Best win, maybe. Mm-hmm. Some of those things. We'll do that with Dylan and with Tom, and then we'll get into the NFL. Uh, Dave Sinekin, the beat goes on for these Green Bay Packers. They head to L.A. to take on the Chargers. So there's 27,000 seats or thereabouts in the stadium. Okay. Give me a percentage of Packer fans. 70. I think that's low. <laughs> think Se- of, 75. I was going to say 80-20, <laughs> but, but point being, I mean, do you kind of feel bad for the Chargers? No. Not for the owners, I don't. No, I mean, no. they, they asked for this. You know, I, I feel I bad heard, for the fans and I the team. Heard an interesting angle from uh, a professional better the other day, and they were talking about this game and, and what we're talking about here—that it's going to be a ton of Packer fans. But home field advantage isn't Not just the number was. of fans yep. that are in there. Yep, it's understanding the playing surface, mm-hmm. home locker rooms, those types of things. 
I don't know. I And look at how visiting teams are doing in the NFL yes, this year. Yes, I'm going to be playing the Chargers, I know, this weekend. Oh, are you? Not part of my picks, but I'm going to. I I think maybe that, that line of thinking, the Packers and all the fans that are going to be there, is mm-hmm. maybe overinflated going into this one. The Chargers team's getting healthy, too. Well, we'll see. They're I mean, very talented. That, I thought that they would give the Chiefs a heck of a run. And here's the thing. If you're, if you're a fan of the Chargers, the Chiefs have... They've lost three games at Arrowhead Stadium yeah. this year, which is unheard of for them. Point being, AFC West was wide open. And Nobody, it might be four after this weekend. It might be. It might be. Yeah, it could be. And we'll talk about those Vikings and Chiefs at 11 o'clock. And Nick Athen will be here, as well as our purple Buckeye guy. He comes in and I uh, look forward to that. Then Bama Bob, Trent, and I go around college football. Iowa Real Estate, see that as Charter uh, House Realty, presents our picks at 11.45. And I will have a breeder. One pick. One horse. One I'll horse. It's in the turf uh, Breeders' Cup turf tomorrow. I think it's the second to last race. Um, I'll release it. Kind of a perfect weekend for you for having such an awful slate of college football. It's not. Yeah, it's not great. You at least you have the Breeders' Cup. So and I'll bet it. But I'm going to watch football. I'm not. Not gonna even going to flip over for. No. I'll cut, a race that you got a heavy hand in. I will. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. When I know, I mean, if it, if I know post time is going to be say five o'clock, I'll. You're you know, not going to be sitting around. No, 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 no for the pre race coverage for no, an hour and no, a half. No, 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 no. I'm going to watch football. I mean, Florida, Georgia is still Florida, Georgia. It is absolutely. And Kansas, Kansas State gets my attention for it's a couple. Of re- yeah. It is. It's important here. Here's the, the the most difficult window tomorrow. Is the first one the early one, the eleven o'clock? I guess I'll settle on Nebraska Purdue just okay. because. I, mean, I, I don't. Find me another game at 11 o'clock that moves the needle. Michigan, Maryland. Yeah. Do you see anything there? I, did you see Gaddis and uh, Loxley? Gaddis, the new offensive yeah. coordinator for Michigan, and of course Loxley. I did not. They, they've been going back and forth, I guess, really? a little bit. Yeah, this week. I haven't dug real deep into it, but there's been some shots fired from the uh, other side there. Interesting. Well, the, that game needs it because Maryland, yes. uh, I mean, Maryland who started off this season, remember, like, oh my God, what a surprise they team scored this is. 78 points against Howard. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We can go back and listen to some of those oh, shows geez. as we overreact, to, to, whether it be college football or the NFL. But hey, that's what we do. We get two hours and uh, those are one, that's part of it. Uh, so yeah, those two games are certainly meaningful. The night slates, eh, there's a couple of big games in the Pac-12. Do we get both of them? Or is one of them parked on Pac-12 Network? Uh, no, Oregon USC is Fox tomorrow night at seven o'clock, so that's good. And Fox prior to that has the Utah Washington game. So Not too bad. A big day for my favorite conference, the mighty Pac-12. All right, real quick here, Trent. We got five or six minutes before we head to California and get Jason. You know what? For Thursday night, pretty damn good night. And and again, George Kittle just continues to. Not amaze me, perhaps, but I, I love the story. I love the passion that he has for the game. I love the fun that he has playing the game. When the overhead camera found him um, in the huddle before Just the smiling game. away, Smi- moving his eyes, he's moving his eyes. I mean, he was clear- he's clearly having some fun with it. Yes, um, got hurt in the f- what was the first play of the game? Knee right to the helmet, and was that? No, it wasn't. Send it a message? No, because his foot was planted. Okay. It was um no, nah, it was just it was just football. Yeah. I, I don't think there was anything to it. I saw but, I saw some talk about it and I oh, didn't really? see it that way either. Oh, no, yeah. No, but no, no, no. you know where it came from. It came from Hawkeye fans. Of course. And you know, the funny thing is the 49ers, there is a bigger population, I think, than many people realize. We talk about the national teams, the Cowboys, the Steelers. Those are national teams. Trent, There's I a agree huge number of 49er fans because of the run in the 80s, my demographic, people in my age range, 
So many people during that time period jumped on, and boy, are they coming out of the woodwork again. They were out there for a couple years, what, about four or five years ago? Mm-hmm. And they went away again, and here they come again, and they have a good football team. You know, that backdoor cover out of the Cardinals last night, do you read anything into it? I, it was an 85-yard play, I think. That, and that throw by Murray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how did, that's an inch, right? Yes. Uh, look, when, they, when the game started, I thought to myself, whew, um, there's a team that really doesn't want to be there in mm-hmm. the Niners. Yeah. They came out flat. They did. Uh, I just text Travis Hines, Lucha's number. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. So I'm trying to I'm trying to, to give you the number on the fly here, and I got to the T's, and I don't have my glasses, so I probably should send Travis Hines a message. And I'll just say here, whoops. Uh, uh, the good morning, Travis radio. Hines, uh, if you happen to be listening, uh, and there's Lucha's number if you need it in the future. Um, but they didn't want to be there, Trent. Or it seemed like they just weren't. They were flat. Yes, absolutely. That is a perfect description. All three football games last night, the underdogs covered in all three of them. How about West Virginia, man? They had a chance. They, they absolutely did. Leg the kicker, inappropriately named. Um, you know, West Virginia just West virginia at the end of that football game. How about the two plays there? Well, the final play that turned out. I mean, the throw short of the sticks and yes, the guy gets tackled. But even fair catching at the five? Mm. In a way, you get it because you let it bounce and it takes a high bounce mm. and then more sick seconds tick, tick, tick off. Tick, tick, but tick. I don't know. Don't you don't you have to take a shot that it's going to take a hard bounce and roll into the end zone? Yeah. Give yourself some breathing room at the very least. I'm with you. I'm with I, you. I didn't get that one. Or if you're going to catch it, run with it. And we saw a touchdown returned in the football yeah. game. Special teams no touchdown kick return. Um, so it was a pretty good night of college football. Happy State goes down. Not that yes. I was rooting against them, but it was pretty darn good theater. And then the Big 12 game was good, and as was the NFL. And George Kittle, he's the best in the game. His touchdown... He just refused to be tackled. Mm-hmm. He refused to be tackled. The story of this guy, and I know many people, most everybody around here knows the story, but if his last name wasn't Kittle, there's no way he gets a scholarship offer that final, the mm-hmm. on signing day in February to even be a Hawkeye. But because of his dad, mm-hmm. because of those connections, they had an open spot and they said, you know what? Let's give a shot here to this 6490 pound wide receiver from Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> Worked but, out pretty well. He built himself into a player. People, Trent, he's the best in the game. Yeah, and, and people fans, thought I'm he could be a good it. player, a solid player, a nice Nothing close to this, He went though. in the fifth round. Yeah. Thank you, John Elway. The pick before took took a tight end, took Jake Butt from Michigan. Injuries. Who's played like four or five games in his yeah. career. Anyways, uh, Kittle, great story. Great, mm-hmm. great story. One of my favorite players in the league, I'll be honest with you. Yes. And, um, and the way and the personality that the, comes along with absolutely. it. Absolutely. John, I don't know whose kid he grabbed out of the stands, and he didn't grab it out of the stands. <laughs> They'll pose for pictures with a Niners sure. fan. I, I assumed they were Niners fans. He's having so much fun doing what he loves and uh, is doing it at a high level. Look, this Niners team, he kind of touched on it. It goes back to the 80s. It's Montana. Mm-hmm. It's Steve Young. There's a bunch of... So how old would that make those folks now? 40-somethings? Yeah, right in that range. So there are a whole bunch of 40-somethings that... You know, because when you're a kid, you, you gravitate to the winners, right? The, yeah. The, 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 the team that's on TV all the time. And you see the Niners, and you see two of the best quarterbacks and the best receiver to ever play the game. Um, so there's a ton of Niner fans. I agree with you. I would look. There's no definitive way to judge fandom in Des Moines, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I kind of, for you know, lack of a better argument, twenty five, twenty five, twenty five, twenty five, and, and that's really what it is. I, the one kind of as close to definitive as I've ever received is I talked to the guy. That was the merchandise. Merchandise dice. <laughs> he buys the NFL gear yeah. for Shields, 
And he told me at the time, it is very close between the four. This was probably seven or eight years ago. But at the time, it was the Bears were a tick higher. Then it was Chiefs. Then it was Vikings. Then it was Packers. Mm -hmm. But it was very close between them. But the Bears were at the top slot. But it's incredibly close. You're exactly right. But then you get into that other group. And and the national teams Mm -hmm. that go along with it. Cowboys. Steelers. Those are the top two. Niners. I think so. But I think the Niners and the Broncos probably because the Broncos are there. there, There's some Mm 20-somethings that have uh, uh, become fans of that team. Broncos there for sure. Who are we missing? So I'll go Raiders a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure, Raiders. So Raiders, Steelers, Broncos, Niners. You know what we're going to get into here? It's coming. Because those Patriot fans. Oh, sure. And those kids yeah, are now yeah, probably yeah. in their, like, their 20s that jumped on. Or do you love to hate them? Well, there's plenty of that. Uh-huh. But that's all these teams. And especially uh-huh. when they're at their peak. You know, the 49ers were that team. I despise the 49ers because they were so freaking good in the NFC every so, single time. Right. Could we, could we go five? Could we go Raiders, Cowboys, Steelers, Steelers Niners, Broncos? I think that's pretty fair. I can't think of anybody Who offhand. Who are we leaving out? Giants? No. no. There's a few of those, but they're scattered. No. Same kind of thing. And Nobody Washington, in the AFC South. The Colts were, no. There's a few of those again, but mm-hmm. it's Peyton Manning and into mm-hmm. luck. That helped. But yeah, I think we got the five. I think the five. Those would be the five that follow the big After four. the four locals, the yep. four regionals. Right. There's a top nine. And you're right about the, um, the Patriots. They're going to... Uh, clearly, I would think break into that uh, break into that group just because of the unbelievable success. This game on Sunday night, Ravens hosting uh, the Patriots. That's that's a five star game. It is. So is the Vikings and the Chiefs. And, and the buzz about Patrick Mahomes compared this week to last week. Is he or isn't he? Yeah, he's going to play. He's practicing. Well, then Friday the word came that no, he's not going to play, um, that they're going to shut him down and try and get him ready for the Vikings this week. But this week it's been, I don't know if that's purposely, uh, that uh, Andy Reid's been kind of playing his cards close to his vest, but there's been really nothing um, as, as far as the buzz that we saw last week. All right, Jason Luch coming up momentarily. We're going to head to California, Santa Anita against the Breeders' Cup. This is... Uh, if you wanted, if you could win one race other than the Kentucky Derby as an owner, I think it would be this one. I'm anxious to. T- I'll ask Jason that question. He's going to be the favorite. He's unbeaten, with the exception of when the jockey fell off in one of his races. This this horse looks like he could be absolutely the real deal. Um, he just. He does nothing wrong. I'm anxious to see how he runs his race today because he's, you know, it's the best two year olds in the country are going to line up with him, uh, in this one. So we'll see how he matches up. It's six o'clock. NBC SN is the about six oh five, six o'clock, somewhere in that vicinity. So hopefully we can get Jason Luch, but it sounds uh, like uh, we're having some trouble. So we'll continue on talking football, Trent, uh, before we get to uh, Dylan Montz and Tom Kakert, who will join us, and we'll go around. We'll really recap the first two thirds of the season, particularly. You know, Trent, this is one for you. This is a difficult question, I think. I think we can probably figure out for Iowa State who the MVP of the offense and the defense for Iowa State are so far. I mean, Brock Purdy, right? Uh, offense is a no-brainer. Sure. But go to the Hawks. MVP of offense, the offense defense, two-thirds is... through the season. Tristan Wirfs. Is he? 
It's played at the highest Smith level. Smith-Marset? Yeah. Brandon Smith? Brandon Smith would probably be second, I would say, in the pecking order. But, but my point being is... It's not Iowa State, right. Iowa State, offense, okay, Brock Purdy. Now, defense is, is, another, is another story. Is I it still Stanley? Go to the quarterback? He hasn't had that monster game yet. No. That's just it. Um... He's still the most valuable mm-hmm. player. That's the position. Because you take him away. Okay, do, do the defense. Geno Stone. That's a good one. Yeah, He's everywhere. A yeah, Geno Stone's stud, a good one. Man. Geno, Geno Stone's the right answer. Is he playing his final four games in a Hawkeye uniform? Uh, we talked so much about the tackles. Surprised. We've talked about, uh, of course, Epinesa mm-hmm. moving on. Mm-hmm. Geno Stone. Who I knows how he'll translate who, you know, athletically what he's going to be. That's the reason that he had basically only Mac offers coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Is He's not physically imposing, at least coming out of high school. But, you know, Doyle's done a good job with him. He looks fast out there. Mm-hmm. What was the play? Was it against Penn State where he was just shot? I mean, he made a play right at the line of scrimmage. There's not many safeties that look that good coming up missile. and making a play. Yeah, he was a missile. I remember the player talking about. What one would they like to have back? Michigan, right? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. That I that so, was too. there for the mm-hmm. taking. That was on a platter. Michigan not playing well after the first two drives. They didn't move the football. Mm-hmm. But Iowa, get to the 40 and start going backwards. Get yeah, to the 30, unbelievable. start going backwards. They could have won that game. Yeah, that, that's the one for me, too. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll get Dylan Monson here a little earlier. We'll get to Tom Caker. We'll do those gentlemen back-to-back. Before we get into our NFL segment, we will hear from Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. It's Chargers, Packers. And then we'll do a, a pretty good hit on the Vikings versus the Chiefs. Certainly look forward to doing that. We've got some catching up to do as well. Oh, We've got a... Uh, $1,000 bull bankroll to get to. We'll do that here momentarily. Trent, if you can bring that one up. Yes, indeed. What does that sounder mean? It's time to help you try and put $1,000 in your bank account. Simply text the keyword freeze. Freeze to 200, 200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000. Freeze. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, Dillamont, James Tribune, he's coming up next. Miller and Condon are on oh, Des Moines Sports Station. It's Jason Luch. Uh, let's do two minutes with Jason. Live radio. Uh, Jason, uh, good to speak with you. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, Jason, uh, we're up against it, so let's do a couple, uh, two or three minutes quickly on Dennis's moment. Uh, look, he couldn't look any better training. I guess, I mean, what's your biggest fear in this race? Is, is he, Does he look too good, too unbeatable? Oh, no. You know, in horse racing, things that can go wrong, obviously. But uh, the biggest fear for us, obviously, is we drew the rail, and it's just going to matter on how he breaks. And if he breaks sharp, um, you know, Irad's going to have to decide if we're going to go out with the speed or if we're going to be on the lead and just try to take him wire to wire. So it's going to be a, a big decision for Irad when he, when he breaks out of the gate what to do. It just depends what Bob Baffert decides to do with his horse. So, mm-hmm. Uh, can you hear me? We think we might just, we have cell trouble. There you are. Yep. Okay, you're here. Good. So, um, is, as an owner, Jason, I mean, obviously the, the, the target for everybody, right, is the first Saturday in May. As an owner, is this the second most important race in your mind? You know, it really is. It's a, it's a, it's a stepping stone for us to uh, get us kicked off into the next season. So this kind of lets you know where you stand and, and uh, stack up against the competition. So it's a very big race for us. Obviously, it's a 
become the, the winner of this race will become two-year-old champion, something that we've never had. So it's it's a very big deal. When did you know that this horse could be this good? When I named him Dennis. <laughs> did you really? I mean, I know that that's the that's why you named, but you really thought he could be this good. I didn't know. We didn't know he was going to be this good, honestly. Barry, who breaks her horses, said this horse could be a great one winner sometime. He really liked him like wow. this now. Showed a lot of things at the farm, but no, never did we ever dream like this. And so it's a, it's a big honor to be, you know, the morning line favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but we got a, we got some great horses to beat today. Need a little racing luck out of the one hole, but mm-hmm. he's training great. Couldn't be doing any better, so no excuses on our end. Jason, of all the horses, and they come from all over the world for this uh, for this two day event. There's been more buzz around your horse than any other horse. Seemingly, it seems, it seems like that to me. Any other horse that's currently that's going to race in the next two days, there's been more buzz about your horse. Do you see that? Yeah, that's what we haven't slept in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of a lot of extra pressure, but you know what? Uh, we wouldn't trade it for the world. It's it's fun to to be down here in, in California and, and in the spotlight and talking about a horse. It's a, it's a great honor, and we're excited about it. Yeah, I bet you are. Well, but listen, best of luck. We got to get to a break. We're up against it here, uh, Dennis's moment. What time's post time? Just after six Iowa time, correct? It's, correct. Yep. NBCS NBCSN or Big NBC NBCSN, right? SN, yep. Yep, gotcha. Hey, Jason, hope to see you in the winner's circle on TV hey, after the race, okay? Lot. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Yep, take care. Jason Luch uh, from the Alba Family Racing Stable. Again, you can watch and wager at Prairie Meadows. This horse wins. He's the favorite in the Kentucky. Now, it's a long way to the first Saturday in May. But boy, oh boy. What? I mean, short of injury, what else can go wrong during that time period? Other horses get better, grow up, mature. Okay. Um, catch up with him, maybe. Sure. He's like a kid on the team. You know, you, you played with a, a kid that was unbelievable when he was uh-huh. 8, 9, and 10, and then everybody catches up with him sure. and go past him. Or they pass him. That's the same in, same in equine athletes as well, but boy, he's unbelievable. It's exciting. It is. I, I can't wait to watch this. I, I'm rooting for him. All right, we'll take a time out. Uh, Dylan Mons and Tom Caker at Iowa State and Iowa in that order as we continue on Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14 No. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Let's talk Iowa State and Iowa. Dylan Montz momentarily. Tom Cakert coming up here in, oh, five or six, seven minutes, somewhere around there. Dave Sinekin, headcheese.com, as we get into our NFL segment towards the uh, top of the hour. Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, joins us. He's had a, well, he's got the weekend off. That's good news. Or don't, do you? Do you have any assignments this weekend? You're going to get to watch football like Trent and I. Yeah, I'm going to get a couple days to kind of uh, be a little bit more low-key, and I'll probably get to to catch some games and, and then take it easy, so no complaints. Are you buying Baylor 8-0? Is this the best team in the Big 12? No. No, I don't no, think I. so. I don't no, I, I think, um, you know, they've had close calls, obviously, with Iowa State. They blew the fourth quarter lead but came back, got the game-winning field goal. Um, the Texas Tech kind of debacle with officiating toward mm-hmm. the end, and then um, a lot of credit to West Virginia for the game last night. I, they they played really tough, and um, you know you, you do have to give credit to them though. They're they're finding a lot of weird ways to win, and I think they are good. Uh, I, I really like Brewer. Um, the defense is a little bit different than it's been in the past, a little bit stronger, but. Um, yeah, it seems like they're scraping by the skin of their teeth a few too many times, and they still have to play Texas and Oklahoma here coming up. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they 
they progress through November. Well, Iowa State gets to the final by five and three, four games left. So let's do this, Dylan. Let's take a look back Monday when we'll uh, we'll reconvene. We'll you know we'll recap the Kansas K State game because Iowa State still got to play them and look forward to the, uh, the to the final four games. So let's look back in our few minutes we're going to spend here today. You know, other than Brock Purdy, because Brock Purdy's an easy answer to this one. Iowa State's MVP for the first two thirds of the season, offensively, anyways. Um, you can't give it to Brock Purdy. So so because that's too easy who would be who would be next on the offense for iowa state i've got my guy it's gonna be no surprise to you or trent (laughs) but but who would be the runner-up to purdy yeah i'm probably gonna go the same way as you and go charlie kohler i think he's a guy that creates just so many matchup problems for teams and it, it and while the running game was kind of still figuring out how to to get going i think he was the guy that could give you a lift and make a few big plays and um, you know, his, his compliment with the wide receivers, I think, has been uh, really intriguing, but um, really smart kid um, and, and talented, too. And it's kind of like, a, uh, I'll, since that's who I'm assuming you're picking, I'm going to go another, like a like a 1B. I'll go Colin Olsen sliding in. Okay. There. Um, I, I think his move from defensive line as a walk-on to offensive line last year, playing left guard all of last year, and then switching to center after the first game this season, I think, um, they really haven't missed a beat, and then the last several games they've they've played really well on the offensive line. And I think a lot of credit has to go to him too. Over on the defensive side of the ball, you can go a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. I think here, Iceworth has been banged up, but we know his importance. And we're talking about most valuable player, not best player. A couple of really good linebackers to throw out there. Where would you go? You get one vote. Who would be your guy, Dylan? Yeah, if Iceworth hadn't been banged up so much this year, mm-hmm. I would have gone with him. But I'm going to go with Mike Rose. Yeah, I, I think. Um, you know, obviously Orion Vance emerging and starting in middle linebacker was a big lift to them, but I think Mike Rose was kind of the underscored a lot of that uh, with his ability to move outside and play Sam. And then when Rose went out um, uh, against West Virginia, he slid right back into the middle and didn't miss a beat. So I think his versatility, his, his kind of um, prowess to, to get to the football, uh, his speed and athleticism on the outside really make him valuable. So I'll, I'll lean that way. Yeah, I, I think you've uh, you hit the nail on the head. Who's been the biggest surprise either side of the football for Iowa State this year? Biggest surprise, a guy that you know you, you saw some potential there, but maybe did you you did not realize the impact that he would have on his team this year? Biggest surprise for you, Dylan? Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm trying to cycle through different guys. I, I, this. Surprise maybe isn't the best way to categorize him, but the first guy that I thought of was Zach Peterson. Yeah, me too. On the defensive line. Yep. Because I think with, with Jaquan Bailey, um, we obviously knew coming into this season uh, his accolades and, and maybe how he could impact that group. But, um, you know, and really, they, obviously, they'd, they'd like to have uh, Bailey in the group, but they really haven't missed too many beats with Zach Peterson in there. Um, he put a ton of weight on in the offseason. Um, he, he's had a couple opportunities for sacks, didn't get them, but now. You're starting to see him play a little bit more consistent and tough in there. So uh, I think he's probably the guy that stands out to me the most. So three losses on the year. Any of those three certainly could have gone the other way, but you only get one choice, Dylan. The game Cyclone, the Cyclone football program, would most like to have back. It's a bye week. They could play it tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, I'm probably going to – man, that's tough. I'm going to go with either Baylor or Oklahoma State, but I'll probably go Baylor um, just given the first three quarters – how just uh, uncharacteristic the offense was. Uh, and, and it was a little bit similar to that in Oklahoma State as well, but I think they played maybe a little bit better for longer and gave them chances. But I think um, Baylor, especially given where the conference standings are right mm-hmm. now, 
Uh, I think that's probably the one that you'd want back. I'm with you. And if, if we're using Trent scenario, Baylor would have played last night. Well, <laughs> no, I get your point. I know what you're doing. Uh, what's their best win, Dylan? Best win so far for this Iowa State team? I'm going to go TCU. I think uh, just given the, the kind of dominance on offense and defense they had within it, um, and then kind of seeing what TCU uh, did the other week to Texas, um, you know, they're, they're certainly capable. I think Max Duggan's a really strong player. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their defense probably isn't quite what it's been um, under Gary Patterson and uh, and then the time we've gotten to know him as a TCU coach. But I think, um, you know, Tech's obviously had a struggle as West Virginia. Um, it will get better, but they've struggled. And um, then you're looking at uh, Northern Iowa and Louisiana Monroe. So I think I'd go Texas probably by default. Would the fan base sign for 8-4 and four right TCU. now? That would be 3-1 and one down the stretch. Would the fan base sign for that, do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think just given some of the, the issues that uh, we saw last week and given what the schedule is uh, coming up in November, certainly, um, you know, Kansas is a game at home you, you would expect to win, but um, they've played better even in the loss to Texas. They were able to score points and then were able to beat Texas Tech. Um, you know, Oklahoma's Oklahoma still, and they're going to be uh, ticked off uh, next week mm-hmm. in Norman. Um, then you have uh, Kansas State and Manhattan, which is kind of a hornet's nest. Tricky um, spot, I'm with you. Season. Yeah, really big. So, um, yeah, I think if you could win three out of the last four, I think um, people um, you know, should, should be happy with it, although I understand um, some of the frustrations, obviously, uh, through these first eight, eight, eight games. And, Dylan, we will uh, talk about those final four when we reconvene with you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend off, Dylan Montz. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Ames Tribune is where you can read Dylan. Let's get a few minutes in here with Tom Kaker. Uh, Before we get to football, Tom, first of all, thank you for coming on, as always. Uh, Just the the level of surprise for you on a 1-10 to basis, 10 being this just blew you away, Jordan Bohannon's going to play on Monday in the exhibition game. At least that was the the word we got earlier in the week. How surprised were you when you heard that? I wasn't surprised at all. I think he's he's been, yeah, I just, I've kind of been, saying for a while he's look he's gonna give it a shot and see where it goes now will he play the entire season i'm a little more cloudy on that one than i i i kind of felt better about that uh but the way fran sounded on um wednesday when we had him on a teleconference i was kind of like yeah boy he doesn't sound as enthused as he once did so hmm. and just heard some people say he but th- this wasn't surprising talk to some people um, about the the secret scrimmage, and they said he looked pretty rusty. So, mm. but that's not surprising given that he's been away from basketball pretty much all the time. No, not at all. You, you certainly would anticipate that's going to be the case. I was a little bit surprised. I saw a post over at Hawkeye Report talking about the starting lineup, and without Bohannon there, he played a little bit, but as you said, was rusty. I thought it'd be Bakari Evelyn out there, but sound like a, a lot more run out of the redshirt freshman out of Kentucky. I, I didn't anticipate that. I thought Evelyn would have been the guy. Again, it's just a scrimmage, so you don't want to read too much into it, but help us out a little bit with that two-guard position and, and what those guys can do coupled with Joe Toussaint. Yeah, I I think maybe what Fran's looking at, and and he said he doesn't know who he's going to start yet. He had, hadn't figured that out, so maybe it was just the one scrimmage that they put CJ out there. But I wonder if he wants a little more veteran guy out there uh, with the second unit, uh, mm. you know, guy who's been out there a little bit longer instead of throwing a young guy out there getting his first college experience. I, I think that might be part of it. 
But Frederick's been, and Fran said this Wednesday, he's been their best defender in the backcourt. And he's a physical kid, gives him a little toughness in the starting lineup, and, and perhaps that's what uh, he's looking for from Frederick. Uh, Tom, we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, MVP on both sides of the football, two-thirds of the way through the season. Offensive MVP for Iowa, defensive MVP for Iowa. <laughs> defensive MVP. Would you go with Geno Stone, maybe? Trent, that's the first name he threw out there. I, I'm with you. I, I kind of think Geno Stone offense, boy. That's where it's that's tough. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. And maybe you give it to Stanley. You can't give it really to any of the running backs. Nope. Um, Brandon Smith was trending that way, maybe, until he got hurt. Yep. Uh, maybe go with Amir. Yeah. He's been solid. He's been unbelievable. Those one-handed grabs. He has taken <laughs> a was, step. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. We never even talked about no. that play in Northwestern. Wow. You know, and and the first two years for Amir Smith Marset, it felt like I mean, he the ball was playing him. You hear that a lot with wide receivers, and that was the case. He never looked overly comfortable catching the football. He looks smooth out there now. He does, and the biggest thing that he has improved, and it shows in his snap count, is. Um, he has uh, he has improved as a blocker, and that's up to his snap count. You know, last year he was twenty five thirty a game. Uh, this year it's up over sixty every game, and it's because he's he's gotten better in the blocking area. He's become more consistent in his route running. He's just really grown up. So I'd probably give it to Amir, um, but boy, I would have loved to have given it to Brandon Smith the way he was trending too. What would you say is Iowa's best win so far this year? Uh, <laughs> probably Iowa State. I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so too. I mean, the, yeah. the Big Ten I, wins I, have been, you know, Rutgers, Purdue, Northwestern. Rutgers and Northwestern, hate to put them in the same boat, but you kind of can this year. Purdue so banged up. So I guess it would come down to Purdue or Iowa State, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, this last month is is really, oh my. really, I mean, it's, it's just going to decide everything. If they win the next two games, they're in the driver's seat to go to Indy, I mm-hmm. think. Um, mm-hmm. If they lose both of them, you know, then you worry about it spiraling a little bit uh, with an Illinois team that's coming on, and you, know, you don't know what Nebraska is. Nebraska going to be playing for a bowl opportunity in that last game? I think so. You know, yeah. Um, so then, you know, you got two hungry teams chasing bowl games. Uh, after that, uh, boy, it's it could be, it could be a tough month. But I was just. They they got to be able to next week, and we'll talk about it next week. I'm sure to solve Wisconsin yeah, and, yeah. and what Wisconsin has been doing to them because they just haven't had the they had the they let it. It was the Denny Green moment. We had them last year and let them slip away. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they and up there two years ago, boy, I, Nate Stanley's got to have some scar tissue from that game two years <laughs> ago. It was an ugly one. A week after scoring 55, they. Don't even get to 70 yards of total offense against the Badgers. John, joined right now by Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, a breakout player for the final four games. Maybe an under-the-radar guy we haven't talked much about that's going to break through here in the final four. Oh boy, do, do I dare go with Sam Laporta? Um, look good I, last we week. talked about him now in the last week, yep. and they have been searching for an answer mm-hmm. at tight end. Brandon Smith's out. They need a guy to kind of emerge. One. And I think it's probably him. That's a good one, Tom. Um, he just, you know, didn't he remind you a lot of uh, number 38 from last mm. year out there catching those passes last Saturday? Mm-hmm. He did to me, at least. Uh, a little bit of 
TJ Hawkinson yeah. with a little flash and flair to him too. So I just, boy, I, I kind of think they're going to need him down the stretch. Yeah, like a couple of people said that uh, on your message board, in fact, Tom, that it reminded him of a young Hawkinson. Here's the final thing for you, Tom Kaker. Who's What team has been the biggest surprise in the Big Ten? Huh. That's a good question. Um, maybe Illinois. That's not bad. Might be Ohio State. You know what, Trent? Normally, that's a crazy answer. Yes, yeah. But everybody yeah. picked Michigan. They did. Minnesota's unbeaten. Penn State's unbeaten. Illinois is a good one, too. That's a good one, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Minnesota, but... I still want to see them play somebody with a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen them play anybody. Um, and, you know, they beat some marginal teams mm-hmm. this year so far. Um, Ohio State's probably a good one because they have just been a juggernaut. But we're going to find out how good they are in the last month of the year. Boy, I'll say back-to-back. He's Penn State and Michigan. Tom, we will talk about that Wisconsin game uh, one week from today when we have you back on as, uh, in advance, you jumping in the car and heading over to Madison. Thank you, Tom Kakert. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com, as we do a quick hit looking back on the first two-thirds of Iowa State and Iowa season. Dave Sinekin, well, he's the head cheese.com, Trent Condon. Let's get into some NFL. We got uh, everybody except for the Bears here, the regional teams we talked about earlier. Well, we talked to Cappy Wednesday. We did, and I got that question, and that's what I told uh, the Bears fan. Man, why don't you get a Bears guy... (laughs) If they're good, we will. We'll talk to Jeff Hughes on Friday if the Bears are good. But if they continue to crap the bed like they did against the Chargers, <laughs> then they're out. Do you give them a chance against? I mean, of course they've got a chance. It's do you the NFL, like them? Yeah. Do you like them against oh, the Eagles? No, no, I I just can't. And I think I'm too much of my fan. So early in the week, I said, "How is this point spread? Only five? It's now four and a half at some places. What is going on here?" I'm too close. My fandom has completely skewed me. Mm-hmm. This is a stay away from me because it seems like the lock of the century in my mind. Eagles minus no. four and a half, five against this Bears team in but, Philly. Could the on. Bears lose four straight, though? Sure. They're not good. They got Mitchell Trubisky they have as a quarterback. Not, they have not been good. There's no doubt about that. They still got, when is that Chiefs game? Late December? Early Jeez. December? It's in December, I believe. I think second game of December. Is it? Um, one, one, the other, we'll watch them all. How about yes, we, we do will. that? We'll take a time out. We'll talk to Dave Sinekin. He's the head cheese.com. Packer fans, your team is in the spotlight next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 14. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Final segment here, the 10 o'clock hour. Still plenty to come in the 11th. We're going to take a look at that Vikings versus Chiefs game coming up. Bama Bob, Trent, and I will go around college football and Claxon's Barbecue before we get out of here at noon as well. Let's get the head cheese in here. He's Dave Sinekin. You can read his blog, theheadcheese.com. You can listen to him uh, in the Twin Cities where he's been for 24 years. KFAN, yes, that's the flagship of the Vikings, but they talk Packers on Sunday morning from 7 to 8. You can also grab the podcast. Dave, uh, good to talk to you. You know, before we take a look to this weekend versus the Chargers, want to go back to last week. You know, Mahomes or no Mahomes, that was an entertaining football game. It really was. Yeah, I mean, they have so many explosive players, and, and we talked about it last week. Matt Moore is an accomplished quarterback who is knocking the rust off, but that second quarter, there's 17 points on the board, and that offense looked like it really didn't miss a trick. I was impressed that uh, the Packers were able to regroup at halftime. Mike Pettin made some changes, and and uh, corralled that guy to about 100 yards of total offense in the second half. But, man, you look at those receivers, that tight end, a couple of running backs, with or without Mahomes, they can sure put points on the board. 
So I was looking at theheadcheese.com. You had a poll, first half MVP. Aaron Rodgers, up there, no surprise. But ahead of him, the other Aaron, Aaron Jones. Mm. What's going on with you, Packer? I mean, I love Aaron Jones, but come on. <laughs> come on here. 35% versus 32, the uh, updated standings as we record it right now. Still, uh, that that was a shocker to me. Yeah, you know, you look at the two primetimes, most recent games, Dallas and Kansas City, and Jones has been really special. I think uh, a lot of fans realize that having a productive running back like Aaron Jones makes uh, Rodgers' job a whole lot easier. It allows him to uh, flourish with a cast of characters at wide receiver that you'd have to look up in the football reference. I mean, he uh, he gives this, this team a, a lot of pop, obviously, both as a running back and a receiver. But I think it's just... Uh, a lot of fans saying we waited a long time for a special running back on this team to see what it might mean for Aaron Rodgers. And over the last four weeks, even without Devontae Adams, I think we're starting to see the potential of this offense. Well, you mentioned Devontae Adams. I looked at the uh, the uh, pr- uh, practice report from the from this week, Wednesday and Thursday. And while there's a lot of names on it, Dave, it seems as though most are trending in the right direction, including Devontae Adams. Uh, the speculation is he's going to play an injury report, and there were so many guys affected starting to you know have a positive outcome. Uh, the overall list, and then Devontae Adams. Yeah, I'm knocking on wood as I, as I say this because uh, we all know things could change really quickly. But of the 17 or 18 uh, names on the Packers injury report, every one of them practiced on Thursday. And that's, I think, maybe the first time since week two that we can say that. Adams is listed as limited, as are a number of Packers on the injury report. But all uh, accounts seem to believe that Adams will return to the field Sunday against the Chargers, where he'll likely get a chance to uh, match up with the former Packer Casey Hayward, who's really... Uh, become a terrific cornerback in the National Football League. Uh, some are concerned that getting Adams back, is that going to you know, change this offense and that Rodgers might force things into him, where right now he's forced to kind of find what's available and, and take what the defense gives him. I'm not in that camp. Devontae <laughs> Adams is a difference maker. He's a top five, top seven receiver in this league. And last time we saw him, he had 190 yards through three quarters against Philadelphia, got hurt, and the Packers' offense stalled. So, I think he's back. I think it adds, obviously, another dimension to this offense. And, you know, you're on the road. It's maybe not the toughest test in light of what's happened to the Chargers, but getting Adams back would be a real shot in the arm. And what, is, uh, what does that do to Alan Lazard with Adams getting back into the lineup? Does, does that uh, limit the opportunities? I mean, somebody's opportunities are going to go down. Is it the uh, former Cyclone Lazard who's been really good, I think? Yeah, I do, too. No, I don't think so. I think there's still a place for him. In this uh, depth chart, I think, uh, look, defenses are going to try to take Devontae Adams away. That's what they were doing the first three weeks of the season. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison haven't done a whole heck of a lot. I, I think Allison is starting to fall on this depth chart a little bit. And I think Lazard and Kumaro have proven that, that they're ready for this and they're gaining Rodgers' trust. So now maybe his snaps are down a bit, but uh, we've seen him in big spots late in games make big catches for this team and the opportunities he's gotten. I'd be real surprised if Lazard does not stay a part of this offense. Dave, when you look at this Chargers team, it is a road game, though it'll be mostly Packer fans inside the, inside the building there. Still, the Chargers came in with a lot of expectations. They are getting a little bit healthy. Okun's uh, back out there at tackle. They fired their offensive coordinator even after a win against the Bears last week. What concerns you most when you look at the Chargers? Well, that does, to begin with, the fact that they fired Ken Wisenhut now Mike Patton's not exactly sure what mm. to make of this offense. There might be some subtle differences. I think they'll try to run the ball more. That was something that Wisenhunt has been criticized for, but it just throws something out there that you weren't expecting. A, a new voice, 
a couple guys are going to call plays that could blow up in their face, or it could be a shot in the arm for this offense. So I think that's a bit of a concern. The fact that they beat the Bears, I'm never going to turn that down watching the Bears miss a kick to lose. But had the Chargers lost that game and fallen to two and six, uh, they look at their season a whole lot differently. I think they feel like, all right, maybe we put a couple wins together. This is a division right now that's kind of up for grabs with the Chiefs injuries. So I think there's still some motivation there. And they still have playmakers, as you guys know. Austin Eckler, as a receiver, Mm -hmm. can do a lot of damage. That's something that's uh, hurt the Packers' defense a bit, making sure they've got that running back as a receiver covered. Hunter Henry's dangerous. Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers gets rid of the ball quickly. He has no mobility, so I think the Packers' pass rush will be stifled a bit because they just don't take shots downfield. They get rid of the ball quickly. So I think the Chargers feel like they can move the ball, but we just don't know if with a new play caller, what to expect. So that does concern me a bit for Sunday. You know, last thing, Dave, I was taking a look ahead at the remainder of the schedule and the three games inside the division to end the schedule. They still got their bye week. But there was one game that, you know, when the when we first looked at this, when the schedule was released in April, and you see that three-game slate, Niners, Giants, Redskins, you're thinking, boy, there's a chance here to really put some wins up. And they still uh, could happen, obviously. But that 49ers game, uh, if both of these teams continue on, that takes on a whole new significance meeting yeah that's going to be huge and it'll really give us i think a real good idea about where both teams are the one advantage green bay will have heading into that game is they will be coming off their bye right so they will have a couple weeks to prepare for san francisco and they showed last night i think some warts defensively and again you look at the the teams they've played and the quarterbacks they've played there's not been a lot of great ones to test that defense but they've got a terrific pass rush as does the chargers you know with ingram and mm-hmm. Bosa. that's yep. the strength of their team so uh, yeah, the 49er game is one where we'll learn a whole lot about both teams. And Green Bay needs, I think, to you know, take care of business these next two weeks, try to get to 9-1 and one at the bye, rest up, heal up. I think Bulaga's fine with that mangled finger. He should be back mm-hmm. in the lineup on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, I think most of us fans are pointing to that 49ers game as a real litmus test about where this team stands in the yeah, NFC. No doubt. And head-to-head tiebreakers will come into play in January, Indeed. and those two teams yep. like they're going to be look like they'll be factors. Dave, thank you. We'll talk to you next week in advance of the Panthers game. Appreciate it, Dave Sinekin. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. Thank you, Dave Sinekin. Headcheese.com is where you can read them, as Trent alluded to earlier. Uh, the poll, come on here. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. as, as you mentioned. I got a kick out of that. I though. bet you did. I'm glad you brought it up, because I hadn't read it yet. All right, we'll take, uh, well, we're out of hour. You know what? We'll come back. We're going to have uh, take a long look at the Vikings and the Chiefs from both sides of it, and then Bama Bob, Trent, and I will go around college football, Claxon's giveaway, our picks, Charter's picks. How did Mark do last week? He was 1-2. He was uh, with the public on a couple of picks. Texas against TCU. Yep. They went down in flames. Notre Dame against Michigan. But he's got three more for us, and he's been hot on our podcast we do every week. Uh, he had a two-week stretch where he was 9-1. and one. Guy That's knows great. his football. Uh, we will let you know what our picks are before we get out of here uh, at noon as well. Miller and Condon, the 11 o'clock hour is coming up next on Des Moines Sports Station 1460.